Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Wow, that's all I got to say. This is a great day ahead, everybody. You've been listening to Good Gab for a while. But we got a wonderful guest today. Um, you won't believe it, but I know you see her everywhere. This is Katara Johnson, community leader and founder of Community. Recognize this guy? We saw him on the podcast. You're going to learn a lot more today. Katara, thanks for joining us today. Oh, no problem. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, shoot. It's like we're in the middle of winter. Things are happening. There's a cold one out here. For sure. It is definitely <laughs> cold outside. Well, you, you've got your hands in everything right now. It's like we, we see you all over the place. Let our listeners know what's going on. What, what's happening in Katara's world? Well, I, you know, people say, well, Katara, you're doing so much. And it's, uh, I don't think it's too much. I, I think it uh, stems from growing up in an inner city and having 620 freshmen that start with you and only 114 graduate. I lost so many Dang. friends um, to gangs, to just the just life itself, and in the inner city, and I feel like sometimes I oh, it is it is important to carry that message that people live like this in the United States, and that we can make it better if we do it together. And so I think that's why I'm not doing too much. I'm doing I'm I'm. I feel like I'm doing what I'm called to do, and I only do what I love. That's good. So, That's like a magic trick right there to be able yeah. to do that. And I'm having you keep fun. Keep the smile. And I'm having fun. So I'm. Where was where was that where you grew up? Uh, south side of Chicago. Okay. Yes, I was forced to join a gang. Uh, they chased me home every day after school. I would get beat up, and then after a while, I, I took that Shit. advice: if you can't beat them, join them. And it was the worst advice I've ever taken. I feel like now I know that if you can't beat them, try a different route. <laughs> and I ended up being stabbed, my artery severed, my hand was broken with a bat by male street gang members. I had to learn to write with my left hand. So all of that created this level of resilience that uh, fuels what happens today. So to to focus on not just diversity, but to focus on inclusion, what does that really look like? Sure. You know, and so I started Community right. Magazine, you know, to really showcase the unity in our community, what's good. And, and although the magazine says community, it's actually come, the word come in unity, like a declaration. So Yeah, walk us through that. Like, where, how, how did that come alive? Well, it was, I, I was looking around and I do a lot of work in the diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility and belonging space. And I'm doing work nationally. I'm doing work with the military. I'm doing work in schools and, and all these different places and doing presentations and trainings. And something I realized is that we have people who focus on diversity. I looked at the research since uh, the early 1900s in the history of the workplace in general. You have all these people focusing on changing the workplace. Sure, right? There's so many books uh, written about it, like forever and ever. It's like, what are yes. you talking about? And I saw yeah. children made up uh, 8 to 10% of the workplace. And then we had laws about that. And then women joined the workplace because of the war. Mm -hmm. And then you had uh, the segregation that happened. Men and women, white men and women were segregated in the workplace. And then you had people of color that were segregated in the workplace. And so I'm watching this timeline. And then you hit the 60s where civil rights 
Rights Act and all of these uh, policies and regulations happen. And I'm looking and I'm like, okay, I'm seeing all of this happen. And I'm like, we focus on diversity. And so then what happened? People after the 60s, they started like sales and then cubicles came. <laughs> right. So we were never really, and then the 80s and 90s, there was more cubicles, right? Yeah, so, the ones that got taller, you can't see anybody anymore. <laughs> right, then you get the Americans with Disabilities yeah. Act, and you get all of these acts, and now we're talking about the Crown Act. We never focused on inclusion and how we get along in the same space. But we focused on laws, we focused on diversity, we focused on representation. But what does diversity really mean? It's not just racial and ethnic diversity. There are so many components when we look at, at, at diversity in its broadest sense. And we find out what's important. It's not just recognizing that there's different groups. Diversity is always there. It's yeah. already there. Look around. Yes. <laughs> and so when we talk about diversity, I noticed that some people would say, well, we don't have a lot of diversity here. And I would look around and I'm like, what do you mean? Now, if you're talking about racial and ethnic diversity, or you're talking about gender diversity, or you're talking about, but if when you say diversity itself, and you have all white staff, well, your white staff feel like they're not a part of diversity, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Right? So I was like, we have to do something different. And yeah, I got to get some, like, instead of that visual feelings like yes. you gotta get to know some people start to understand what's happening that's the work of the disability community too it's mm -hmm. like that inclusion piece access yes. i mean that's what we're working on every day at skillskin um, and, and you're put and thank you for the work that you're doing being a person who has an invisible disability but i call it my special ability because uh the doctors may say you need medication to harness all this energy and i'm like i was given the exact amount of energy to do the things that i'm required and i feel called and compelled to do and, and that's so, why you can have your hands in so much stuff right i actually think it's a few things <laughs> I, I i help the things i care about yeah. is inclusion mm -hmm. And I care about veterans, uh, and specifically female veterans, uh, because we typically go to the VA or other places and we'll see like men with the caps and the VFW type thing, but it's always men. And I was like, Wait I can a see that in my mind. I was like, she served too. And being a survivor of military sexual trauma, I, I was like, we have to share the voices of the women who served our country as well. And we need to elevate that voice. So I didn't see it. And I was like, I'm going to do something about it. So it's funny when you go to the VA hospital in Spokane, uh -huh. there's this big poster <laughs> with my face on in these words. It's the I'm not invisible campaign. I didn't create it, but someone else did. But it's uh, elevating the voices of veterans who, and specifically women, who are typically uh, considered uh, or feel invisible. Wow. So, so that's those are the areas I'm truly passionate about. So I think you're going to have to help out Skillskin uh, <laughs> in the long term because we're going through a merger right now with an organization oh. called Skookum, and they're on the mm. west side, but they really specialize on helping uh, uh veterans with disabilities kind of re-enter the workforce uh kind of grow their skills and help them help them find uh, jobs out in the community and they're bringing that knowledge to skill skin over here in eastern wow. washington so we're getting really excited to be able to dive in and connect with you know that uh the military community and specifically people who you know are living in, with disabilities in the military so i it's just, love that this is all new for us and we're like we're, we're ready 
Well, I'm going to give you a little tidbit. <laughs> All ears. And it's something that people don't always talk about. We hear about PTSD, but there's also something called military sexual trauma from PTSD. And a lot of people who work with vets forget about that because it's something we don't want to talk about. But it does create trauma and injury, and we do need to address that because it, it exists. And so you have survivors out there, and you have a lot of veterans that don't even know that they have PTSD because they've been living like that so long. Or we found people who just don't, they're like, no, I don't. And it's clear they do. I, yeah, I, in addition to that, the work that SkillSkin is doing, even with your, the merger and acquisition uh, timeframe, we definitely need to talk about that because there's changes external, but transitions are internal. And so really focusing on the transitions of your people, but uh, specifically addressing veterans. What I notice with veterans is that when we get out the military or the service, regardless of the branch, well, when you're active duty, everything you need is on base. Your doctor's on base. Your, uh, your grocery store is on base. You know, you know how to do all these things because it's on base. Well, then you become a civilian, and they say they transition you out, but it's usually a bunch of workshops back-to-back -back uh -huh. from 7 a.m. You've forgotten everything they're saying because you're just ready to get out. Just words at that end of the day. So where yeah. do I get a doctor? Yeah. Where do I connect with to get my uh, electricity on? Because on, on base, I, everything was in one space. I went to this one center. So uh, helping. Yeah, especially if you were young and came up with that, you really yes. wouldn't know any different. Right. What's a family doctor? You know, how do I get a primary care provider? So there's, the words are different. And you're used to using these acronyms, and now you're out, and it's like... And I know that feeling because when I left Germany and came to Washington State, and believe it or not, I lived in Davenport, Washington. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> How did you land in Davenport? Well, my ex-husband <laughs> was from Davenport, and he was like, Katara, he was like, honey, the, 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 the demographics aren't the same as the military. Now, to be quite honest, I come from the south side. I had a little... Uh, little urban feel, but I didn't even know what demographics meant. That wasn't the way that I communicated. It wasn't a word in my vocabulary. But I was thinking, I'm like, I can survive the inner city. I can survive anywhere. Yeah, take me to farm country. I get there, and it's like, all by myself, <laughs> sitting here. I was like, wow, I didn't know I'd be the only African-American in the entire town. I thought it was weird. It was definitely different. Yeah. It was like uh, you – and then – at that time, when you would be downtown Spokane, you can walk several blocks and not see uh, someone that was racially and ethnically diverse. Now I walk downtown, and I'm like, oh, hello, hello, Every, everyone. I'm like, you are not alone. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that happened when I first came here. It was this, um, <clears throat> the African-American community was a little divided when I first came here. So it, it wasn't... Uh, we, there wasn't a lot of communication was in, uh, that was happening with, uh, between a community. And because of that, I'm glad that happened. Because of that, I found friends that were outside of my racial and ethnic group. Because if I was fully embraced yeah. at the time, I would only have a small community. But I realized that friends don't have color, love doesn't have color, Truth. and that... I was looking for people who were doing great things. I was looking for a mentor, and I realized if I was in a boat, and I'm, I'm in a small boat, and I'm in the middle of the ocean, and I'm trying to survive, and I'm saying, help, 
help, help. And then a white person comes by and says, give me your hand. I wouldn't slap it and say, give me the black hand. Yeah, no. no I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get out. And so at a proximity, I started meeting different people. And that diversity really changed me because I found good people. And I realized and that you can do big things when you put some good people together. Yes. I, I, and so people say, well, guitar, you're doing all these things, but I'm not alone. I have people who support me, who send me those words of encouragement. So it's like, this is with even the community magazine. I'm like, well, is, are, are people going to buy this? But I was thinking there's so many conversations in our country right now that are polarized and it's black people and it's white people. And I was thinking, we're in 2023. Are we calling blacks and whites? Are we doing that? That's kind of weird, right? right? Like, I was like, and then it was like, I, I saw people say, well, I want the black community over here and I want this. And I'm like, wait a minute, Martin Luther King, our ancestors fought for to reduce to end segregation. What are we doing? Yeah. We're the Spokane community. C Period. And then I was looking like, people was like, well, I want to go to the black community. And then I thought about it. The black community. Wait, the black community is wherever I'm at. True statement. <laughs> it's just community. And so when I started, my perspective changed in that regard. I realized that my community is wherever I am. My community is the entire Spokane community. Even if you disagree with me, even if you don't like me, we still live in a community at the end of the day. I noticed when you look at Bloomsday, what happens? Everybody in Spokane is out there. We're high-fiving people. Keep it going. And uh, one of the, Jennifer Mesa, who's on one of the covers, she said, why isn't that the way Spokane is all year round? And I'm looking in my head, I think it is. But it's what you look for. If okay, I'm Okay, tell me more about that. I'm real okay. curious. So let's talk about this. Now, being reject, rejected, it is a powerful thing. Rejection causes trauma. And one thing I learned working in sure behavioral health. Sure hurts my heart. I'm right. getting better. <laughs> so, so, so it really impacts people when you are rejected. So I found out what does every person need, regardless of race, regardless of any of our social identities, right? What do we all need? Love and affirmation. Okay, yes, sir. <laughs> and what the research shows is psychological safety. Yep. Mattering. Who I am and what I do matters and belonging. I can show up and I don't have to code switch and utilize my professional voice. I can use my regular tone of voice and I can be accepted. That's what every person needs. So when you hear people say, we need to get some more racial, more people of color in here, or we need more people with differing abilities here. What is the person saying, the undertow, I feel alone. Interesting. I need belonging. Well, and that conversation's happened a lot in organizations in our community. Like yes. we hear some of our leaders talk like that, but that might not be what diversity or inclusion looks like. Certainly not access. Right. So, so you, mm. you hear what I'm saying? Because people have these needs. We Maslow uh, had a hierarchy of needs. I don't believe that. We just have needs. There's no special needs. People just have needs. And we as a community have the the unique opportunity to meet them. Th does that make sense? Sure does. And then you think about when people say things like, uh, well, they only recognize the same people all the time. Well, why are only white people being acknowledged? Well, sometimes it's proximity. If you look sure. at the numbers of our community and it's just like, yes, we're pretty we can, white town. 
Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like what people are saying in the undertow is I don't feel like I matter. I need mattering. I need you to acknowledge the work that I've been doing inside of the community. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I'm following. I noticed that when uh, there was a lot of protests downtown after uh, George Floyd, and the minute that the media gave a 30-minute special, and the city of Spokane started doing this uh, multicultural advisory council and bringing people in to be heard, it was like the protests ended like that. Because people were heard. Yes, okay. that's mattering. My voice matters, who I am matters, my experience matters. Sometimes people's experiences make people uncomfortable, so it's like, well, I should do something, I should do. We all should be doing something. Yeah, and it's, it's all our responsibility. Right, it starts with, and what COVID showed us is that we're only as healthy as the least healthy in our community. Th does that make sense? I know that's the truth. Yeah, so you every have, day. And it exposed that some people in our community have lower health outcomes and they were passing away at higher rates, that there was mistrust inside of the healthcare system. And you can't deny that. Those are just facts. Right. So what yeah. do we do? We don't have to feel guilty about it. We don't have to. We could take all of that energy that we're blaming each other and pointing fingers and say, hey, how do we come together and come up with the, the, the solutions to our community's most complex problems? We can mm -hmm. do that. But what I've noticed is that people will come and they'll do training and they'll only talk about the problem. By the time that the training or workshop. I've been in those trainings. <laughs> well, by the time it's over, you have white people who either feel built, beat up, they feel guilty, or you have people who have stealth resistance or outright resistance. I'm not coming. Diversity training is mandatory. You say you see people not showing up to work or not showing up. They're sick that day. And you get the shame and blame. Your people did this. And, and they would go through all of the problems, the history of racism and all of this, right? By the time the, the, it was time to get to the solution, they never got to it. They only talked about the problems. So I decided, why am I teaching the problem? I'm going to teach the solution. I love that. So that's what I started doing. I started teaching the answer. So how... how how was that received in your work, like with organizations? I, I can imagine that's something I'd like. I'd love that. I'd I grab was, that. I was blown away. Yeah. I don't have a commercial. I don't have a um, some uh, uh, marketing company that's supporting me. People will tell other people that will tell other people. And I have stayed busy helping organizations. And, and I shared this before. People say, well, uh, the chief diversity officers and the organizations are not doing well. Now, don't get me wrong. Now, sometimes it is definitely biases, right? Sure. There's, there's, there, there's some folks that have outright resistance to change. But I also look at the system workplace was not created for chief diversity officer. Think N about it. No, and the support may have not been there too. It's right, like so we, the, we and that's, a, the, a that's the system. Right, yeah. so think about it. And no, it doesn't matter what company you work in, what, what, what sector of healthcare, nonprofit, for profit, where does training come out of? Yeah, HR. HR. Yeah. HR. So now you have this new role trying to educate all the staff in the company outside of HR. It's never going to work. You know, our truth be told, everyone, our organization almost made this mistake. We uh, had an opportunity to hire, uh, make a hire out of the city that was um, we thought would be a great person for us and uh, in the DEI space. Mm -hmm. And it was reactionary 
And we all just kind of looked at each other on the leadership team. We're like, why are we doing this? It's like, this isn't in our plan. And isn't this the work we're doing every day anyway? So why are we just going to create this position without any plan to support it? Right. And, and I'm glad we did not make that mistake. Now, now look <laughs> at this. When in an organization, people make the same mistake all the time. They will go out, we need racial and ethnic diversity, or we need a person from uh, with a, a different sexual identity orientation. We need somebody with a differing ability, right? Now, what they make the mistake on is the first thing you need is psychological safety in the entire yeah. organization where you work. It doesn't matter who it is. Everybody that needs baseline. it, right? That's yep. the baseline. The next level to that is your inclusionary practices. What are you doing to make sure that, that your staff's voices are heard, that even those who are different levels of the organization are heard? Then you can focus on diversity. Got to get that base right. If you don't have this with the rest of mm -hmm. your staff, you're not going to be able to bring in a person from uh, that, excuse me, I won't say diversity, racial and ethnic diversity, sexual identity, orientation, abilities. You're not going to be able to, that person, will not be successful because you haven't created a foundation for them to thrive. Yeah, and a system to be heard in. Yes. Yeah. So when people miss those steps, or you'll get, um, I don't know if you've heard of the McKinsey S7 framework. No. Well, you have strategy, structure, and systems, your policies, your procedures, mm -hmm. you know, how you onboard your staff. And then the bottom part of that is skill, the skill of your uh, skill, staff, and style of leadership. In the middle, you have commitment and your values and all those things in your well, organization. That's like blue. Right. Now, what do we typically focus on? The bottom half. Right. Style of the leader, how they communicate. Do you focus. have the skill to do this? Yeah. Racial and ethnic yeah. diversity, these different, uh, picking the social identities to be there and the skill, training, training, training. Well then, you have policy, uh, st strategy, structure, and systems, they're not addressed. So you have a half program that is not successful. Because it's built to fail. Right, because it's missing. DIAB should be in everything that we do because it already is. Why do we have separate but equal trainings? Great question. DIAB trainings are separate over here, but all the, the HR training and operational training are done over here. Why isn't it embedded in every slide deck? Embedded in every... Is that part of what you teach? Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Did I tell if, you that? Like, well, because that... that's culture, right? You're mm -hmm. like, you're not, it's not a thing. It's us. It's our identity. It's who we are. So yeah, you embed we, that throughout. Right, and then that we, makes sense to me. We get all of these words mm. and we teach, oh, do this. You use these words. And so first it was people of color. This was a term that was common. And then it, uh, after uh, George Floyd, you had the rise of BIPOC. Right. And I was thinking, I said, this is definitely not going to last because you are cutting out so many people's identity and it reduces the ability to get to know a person and see who, what their, their, their full identity is. Not to get lost in a BIPOC, right? And you see how black and indigenous goes first. Well, right. what about, you know, the, the other, we just say everybody else is people of color? Are, are you getting what I'm saying? That's interesting. I've never, I've never put that together. So I was like, this is- I hear you though. There's no way this is going to last. That's not inclusive. Right. And so nope. now you can only use BIPOC unless you're specifically talking about black and indigenous people first. <laughs> Does that make sense? So it's like, I said, so what is the term now? And it was people, people of color. <laughs> We're back. Right. <laughs> 
So then it was, uh, remember when pronouns were preferred? They were preferred yeah. pronouns. Then we came back, it's not preferred pronouns. Pronouns are just pronouns. That makes well, sense. What are leaders? And then I was at a training and they, uh, somebody, so they said, well, it's not just Latin uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, it's Hispanic and Latin American Heritage Month. I was like, okay. And then, it, so, so you're going to say, and then I was doing a training and the lady said, well, is Latin A, Latin E, Latin X? And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I can see, I knew it was going to be some, some stealth <laughs> and outright <laughs> resistance because there's no woke dictionary. Exactly. It in the disability exist. space, I think they can lead the conversation um, in this because when I first got into the world of disability, I didn't know anything about mm -hmm. disability and I'm just I'm learning and the, I just was so afraid of screwing up. I was going to say the wrong thing. And you will. Yeah, exactly. And, and I got permission to say the wrong thing and it just freed me because right. uh, some of the folks that we employed, they're like, yeah, Steve, just ask. And, I'm like, and, yes. and if I would said something wrong, they might correct me. And you're but, asking and, that person, and this is yes. what I tell leaders. That is your experience with that person. Leaders today have to build relationships with their staff and their teams so you know how they identify, what their experience is, and how they want to be communicated with. We can't do a blanket statements. For example, well, Katara, they say, who's the leaders in the black community? I was like, well, the days of Martin Luther King are, 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 are the, the one leader, the one spokesman are over. I said, does the white community have one leader? Yeah, no. That speaks on behalf <laughs> of all people? I said, the black community is no different. We have influencers, we have leaders, and you know, and you can, and sometimes you're blessed to have both, a person who has both. And so um, people say, well, what is an influencer? I feel influencers are people who just come up with content. They're just speaking, sure. you know, sharing. Yep. But a leader is very careful about the words that come out of their mouth because they know that they words have the power to move, motivate people to do things. Yes. And so I'm very careful with the words I speak. Sometimes people get upset because I just tell the truth. I, not my truth, I'm telling the truth, the facts. And so when we think about it, people were going at first from awake to woke, and then they were saying do the work. Well, if people are gonna be woke and they're gonna awaken, where is the dictionary that teaches everybody the new words and who updates them? And, and who, who owns them? Right, <laughs> and who contacts them? So I was looking at these words because there is a, a dictionary of uh, DEIAB terminology. The, uh, there's groups at the state that put this together. And I was like, finally, somebody put these words together. Well, as I started reading the words, I was like, some of these I can't even pronounce, and I have a master's degree. <laughs> I'm just being real. And I'm like, wait a minute. How inclusive is this book with these words? Because people with varying literacy levels, some of yeah. these words are not even translatable in certain languages. Yeah. So how inclusive are we? Because we get so wrapped up in what we're trying to say and what we're trying to do that we end up hurting other people when we're really trying to be an advocate. Yep. But but if you burn a bridge, a friend of mine said one time, she said, Katara, you're just too nice. And I was like, well, I never heard that before. <laughs> I heard compassionate and kind, you know, but I can be nice. It's okay. So they said, well, I just want to address it. I want to take the bomb, open up the door, throw it in a room and shut the door. And I was like, I said, well, that's great if you're not walking back in the room. Right. I can, we've spent so much time calling each other out that we haven't called each other in. And it, you and I sit together, we may not agree on everything, but we know what we do agree on. 
we know that inclusion matters. We yeah, believe we that a, a, a accessibility and raising the voices of underrepresented groups are, 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 are is important. That's the world I want to see. Right. But how do we do that? We have to live it every single day. You're doing it on this podcast. You're doing it in the work that you do every day, even with the merger. So you think about that. If we all start doing that, we're going to see some changes. But if yeah, we, we silo are. and we get in these different places, I was thinking, well, what is this magazine and podcast? And then I thought about it. Like, wait a minute. Good Gabs has a podcast. Why am I reinventing the wheel? I'm going to get with you all. Let's connect this thing and let's put this message out because this is good news. And we can focus on the problem or we could focus on the solution. And I choose to focus on the solution. I, I choose that as well. I remember the day I was like, you know, back in my early years, like I like to protest things. And I was like, that was me. And then something happened. It was like a light switch. It was like, I'm not protesting anything anymore. I'm only advocating. Mm -hmm. And I'm advocating for the world I want to see. When, and, I, when I met John Lewis and he said, good trouble, necessary trouble. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people have to be, have to march, have to, 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 to do that. And then there's people who are actually in systems who are trying to make changes in the systems. But instead of people working together, it's like, oh, you're in there. You belong to that. You're own. It's like, no. We're all doing the work. Your good trouble will allow those who are doing the necessary trouble within systems to, to change, to, to transform systems. But we are quick to say dismantle, dismantle everything. And I was like, wait, there's the terminology in that. Now you think about that. Now I care about uh, history. And I, I talk about- Yeah, we know where we're from, here we go. Right. I know that I'm an African-American woman. I know that there is 69% Nigerian ancestry. So don't, I know my people, right? But those are not just my people. Does that make sense? This is where I come from. But you have to be my people too. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, because we live in the right. same community. Right. And so it's like if you want a voice at the table, you don't have to tear me down and get it. Does that make sense? Yes, we just it does. do it differently. And uh, I, I had people that was like, Qatar, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And I was like, I wouldn't dare go in your house and look at your walls and say, you know what? This should go over here and this should go over here. I wouldn't tell you how to decorate your house. You're not gonna tell me how to decorate my house and how to live my life. I'm doing everything I know to build inclusive community. I'm doing everything yeah. I know to every day give people who said negative things about me a fresh new start. Th th does that make sense? But I'm not saying that you don't need uh, racial or cultural identity development to see a person like you in a place of success to know that you can achieve that too. That's important too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is we also need to figure out how we get along in the same place. We have talked about diversity, our differences, but what are the commonalities? What if, what if you and I and a person that I don't agree with got together at a table and we know what we don't agree on, but we wrote down the things that we do? Sounds like we could find some common ground. We can, yeah. and let's build on that. If we don't do anything else, we don't have to be best friends, but we can build on this and we can come up with some solutions. But some people say, well, it's my way or the highway or, this isn't being done in our community. Just because you're not doing it doesn't mean it's not being done. Well said. So, so that's where I'm at uh, today. And I, I believe that I've been able to make a difference because 
diversity doesn't have to be divisive. It doesn't, but that is the stigma that is attached to it now. That is the push out that we're seeing right now. It's because, think about it, you need psychological safety in order to learn. So you come to my classroom and I'm teaching. If I use, I said, today we're gonna talk about rape. What are you gonna do? You're gonna be like, your body naturally yeah, is Yeah, you like, might have a reaction. Right, so if I come in and say, I'm talking about anti-racism, if I'm looking at a room of all white people and I'm talking about anti-racism, I'm thinking racism, next thing you know, my face is changing and my tone is changing. I may not even recognize it, but you know what your people did. Feel That's not judgment. psychologically <laughs> safe. So now you're like, oh my God, you either get, oh my God, I didn't do this. And then it's like, your white tears are oppressive. I have seen this in trainings. God. I've seen it. I've seen people say, apologize for your whiteness. I wish somebody would tell me to apologize for my blackness. We cannot go out and, and create, cause additional harm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that's not a world I want to see. Right. We're sitting here. I never met you. This is my first time meeting you. And look how much we've been able to talk and to have so much in common. I know that we have differences in the way that we see things. But at the end of the day, we care about our community. We don't want Spokane to become a community. We care about those who are houseless that are cold right now in this cold. We care about that. There's a reason why you're down at the library right now, <laughs> because we care. Yeah, for support and community. And so it's not like what you're doing is not right. You should be doing this. This is your cause. Take it up. And there's going to be like-minded people. But what we can be is bridges. Yeah, we can. You're trying to do this? Yeah. Here's the group that's also doing this. That's what we need more of. We need leaders who are willing to be truly inclusive and focus on multiculturalism. Multiculturalism, how we get along in the same place. How do we do that? We haven't focused on that. But we're gonna. We're gonna. Yeah. And we are. Yeah. We are. You heard it here, everybody. You better follow Qatari. You better follow Come Unity. See what's happening out here. Tara, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And if I could say anything to people in our community, regardless of how you identify, you matter, you belong, you are important. And even if you don't agree with the things that I've said, I have made more friends across this country than I ever would have had if I siloed. And for some people, that niche is important because I'm not saying it's irrelevant. You, you still have people that need to do that. I'm not judging you. Keep doing the good work that you're doing, but also consider what we have in common and how do we get together and focus on things that unify us, that we care about, that we can fix. One thing at a time, one day at a time, one meeting at a time, one person at a time. Hearts. Thank you.